welcome to Brews with Andrews, the Lancelot Andrews podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening as we discuss one of his works as well as what he has to say with the challenges facing our churches today in this world that seems to get darker and darker and more and more insane by the minute. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's dive in. I'm Father Michael. And I'm Father Alan. And this is Brews with Andrews. Cheers. Cheers. I see you have a classic. PBR. Well, this is System of Nature. So this is a sour beer brewed with beets and harissa peppers. Peppers. Yeah. I want to taste it. It has a nice little burn afterwards. Oh, my God. Anyway, this is the fifth episode of Brews with Andrews. Hey. You know. And this is a milestone, the fifth. Yeah, it is a fifth. Wherever there's three or four Anglicans, there's always a fifth. <laughs> but no hard beverages today, just the simple brews. That's right. Well, yeah, so our topic here for our fifth episode is angels and that war in heaven. And since this is part of the rich heritage of the Anglican faith, rightly understanding the angels and what they mean for us. We thought it appropriate to use some of our older prayers to get us started. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. O everlasting God, who hast ordained and constituted the services of angels in men in a wonderful order, mercifully grant that as by thy holy angels always do serve thee service, do thee service in heaven, so by thy appointment, they may succor and defend this thy people on earth through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I think it's important that we, we, we have this discussion on the angels because there are many things that uh, we seem to shy away from, and it seems like the angels are one of them in a lot of our churches today. Spiritual realm as a whole. Yeah, the whole spiritual side. And, uh, you know, if you're only getting part of the story if you leave that out, it... Uh, I think I looked up earlier this week, angels over 200 times in Scripture. It's important enough to be in there 200 times. It's probably telling us something we need to listen to. Well, yeah, and I think that is in this sermon preached by Andrews. He's not bishop then, is he? Uh, What year? This is 1599. No. Yeah, so this is early on. This is pre-pink shirt. (laughs) And back when you could say what you want to say. And he had a lot to say about angels. So this is his 13th sermon contained in a collection of post-humorous sermons. And the text is on Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. And as a summary in this sermon, Andrews expounds upon this 12th chapter of St. John the Divine's Revelation, which tells about the war fought in heaven between the forces of Michael and his angels and the forces of the dragon and his angels, using it to explain both the roles of angels in the life of the church and her believers, as well as the congratulations that are due to God and these angels and should be offered by the church and her believers. So, and I think that's definitely something missing when you actually... 
when you go walk into the average Baptist church and say, you know, you want to give praise and thanks for the angels, right? they're going to be showing you the exit. No, no, the way out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you were just reading that and it just dawned on me, talking about war in heaven. <laughs> Uh, yeah. 12 sevens per Harbor Day. <laughs> oh, and a war. Go figure. There's a lot of those coincidences. Bible code moment there for yeah. you. Well, even that, I mean, there's a war in heaven. Oh, that and, statement alone. Uh, it, it, it pops bubbles or assumptions that have been taught. The heaven of the Bible apparently is a little bit different than the heaven I was brought up hearing children's stories about. <laughs> All the little pictures. You about. know, yeah. as you know, I've been quoted on this before, and it's, so when the door-to-door evangelists come to your house, and I'm just like, let me just stop you right there. You want me to pray this prayer so I can go to heaven, right? Well, yeah. Well, if heaven's that great, why did some of the angels leave just to get laid? <laughs> that's what happens in Genesis 6, and they look at you funny. I've never and, heard it quite like that. And, it, and so, so you do. You have rebellion in heaven. You have flat-out war in, in heaven. heaven. You have people thrown out. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, and why would it be any different for human salvation as it was for angelic salvation? Yeah. And some of the epistles get into that. Right. Um, but so we will start with, as we walk through this sermon that he preached, it's the basic outline is that he introduces angels and how they relate to the Christian faith, who these angels are that are discussed in this passage, and what advice and assistance they offer to believers. And then he gets into the meat of the sermon by talking about why we celebrate them on St. Michael's and All Angels Day, which is when this sermon was preached, which will really get into the meat of that. And then he concludes with what the rightful response of humanity is based off of this information. I think it's a very good outline, and uh, this will be on the, the podcast. Yeah, you know, the, uh, the, all the notes, to you. like all the other podcasts. Right. You want to start with the first sentence? Yeah, I mean, well, the, our first, the introduction there. Um, and I think he, he does really wise in saying, you know, biblical Christianity— which includes Anglicanism, does not, you know, we don't worship the angels, but we also don't reject them. It's not a religion of angels. Yeah. It's um, both, you know, we're we're not Sadducees and we're not Angelicans. As a lot of people call us, you know. No, there's the as as with all of the Anglican faith, there's that middle road. The middle road, um, according to him, is that they are there. They, we most likely would not be saved without their assistance, and we ought to be grateful for God that He has seen fit to commission such a heavenly host to ensure our our being able to be raised up into the family. Yes, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, you were saying that uh, it's not our religion, but yet uh, we're told in Scripture that even the name of Jesus was given to us by an angel with Gabriel. And and he refers, after he says, it's not a religion of angels, but we do adore them with divine honor. Then he quotes Colossians, let no man beguile you of your reward and a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. And though we 
offer to worship uh, to worship them. It is not a religion of the Sadducees that hold that the apostles is no that no angels nor spirit uh, they acknowledge neither angel nor spirit doth acknowledge that such blessed spirits there can be, and that God hath erected a ladder that reaches up to heaven by which the angels of God go up and down to convey God's blessings to men. Yeah. So it, uh, this is all the work of God, they, whether it be men they, and our angels. Yes. No, the, the, the angels are real. They do us service. Um, we do not adore them. And this is the same thing that gets into the Blessed Virgin Mary. Adoration always belongs to Jesus Christ alone. But everything else is a gift from him, and so you receive it and you honor them. And you and, honor his and, gifts and, and his given. Yeah, and so that's that's where Andrews begins. And already, some of the churches I raised in, they would already be changing the subject if you had spoken about angels this much. Right. Um, and, and, start say, and start really trying to emphasize their role in our own salvation. And what's been popular over the last 60 years, it's just about you and your Jesus. And as long as you pray this prayer, you and you alone to Jesus, you'll be saved. And there's a lot involved in that, salvation. That's missing so much. Um, yeah. And that's what Andrews is trying to just say, look, this is, um, it, it, it's going to humble you when you realize how much your salvation is dependent upon others. And some of those others are angels. They're angels. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's, that is where he begins. And so from there, he leads us into considering... Who are the angel? And one of the things that in order to increase humility in us as worshipers is trying to explain to you the good angels discussed in this passage and carried, carried through the scriptures are spiritual beings who are willing to leave the bliss of God's presence in heaven in order to serve on earth by taking charge, protecting, and ministering to believers. Uh, you should be in awe of a of any being that willingly will leave heaven to make sure you can get there. Sort of like Jesus. A lot uh, like yeah, Jesus. Yeah, for him to leave. There, there is a great parallel, and that's why I think Hebrews, when it starts off, first thing he says, um, he's putting Jesus in perspective of all the other angels because he's like, to which angel did God said, you know, today I've begotten you? What? He's like, right. no, Jesus is a complete different category, but right. yet there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. They're both the the host, the the good heavenly host, follow their leader, and Jesus, their leader, went into war head on, and they're right there at his side. So, uh, as he tells us in his letter in about the, the legions of angels, he could call down. I think it's from Matthew yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and that's the... So, so it was... And he also gives examples of angels' help to humans. And Boy, does he give us... Yeah. Uh, this yeah. one is every verse there is on an angel. If the Bible <laughs> brings it up 200 times, he's got at least 150 of the references here. <laughs> um, what's, I, don't know, I laugh with uh, Father Allen about this, but I often yeah. say, you know, and he did all this, Without Google, <laughs> without a search. <laughs> Didn't have the Strong's Concordance. Uh, but like and, you said, he did translate from the Septuagint yeah. to the King James. So. Then it, he continues that and it's not just the fact that these spiritual beings were willing to leave the bliss of heaven, but they were willing to leave the presence of God in order to make company 
with sinful, corrupt presence of creatures like us. It's like Once again the correlation of Christ coming. Yeah. You know, so and the whole and there is a and that's that's huge, especially within the judo Christian early judo Christian tradition. The reason the the devil rebels in the first place is out of envy, and I think that's the book of wisdom, too. Take my word for it. Book of wisdom is out of envy that death gets entered into, introduced into the world. Um, he would not serve this clay creature. No, he, and, uh, he took the same bite of the apple that he convinced uh, Eve. Yeah, that, you know, almost, well, like, you, know, you can compare them. Yeah, so and we'll get more into the great dragon, but right. but essentially. All the good angels are those who willingly come down and serve. And the bad angels are the ones who says, I am older, I am more powerful, there's no way I'm going to serve you. You were made from clay. Um, And so that really becomes the dividing line. Now, I do have a note on the outline. We should note, the biblical word angel is just a title. (laughs) It's not an actual being in and of themselves. Right. So, and we've gotten lazy in our language. We just say, they're all angels. When you go through the Bible, you're going to find out that seraphim, cherubim, thrones, dominions, watchers, princes, powers, principalities, sons of God, holy ones, and even second person of the Trinity can be an angel. It's just, an, the angel is, it means to be a messenger. a messenger. Like, you're delivering a message. And so, any spiritual being can be an angel, but not all spiritual beings are angels. angels. So that's... And that message, I mean, that's God's messenger to us. Yeah. And uh, so, why would you not uh, pay them respect and, and honor them? Because they are actually God's messengers to us and he gives a lot of examples of that as well <laughs> well and even for take it another angle you think of Paul's epistles so even if an angel shows up preaching a different gospel let him be anathema so even you know the demons and the great dragon are angels they have a message too yeah. Um, so you you got you have to you have to check where that message is coming from. Gotta, Who's, whose message it is? No, yeah. So if if you do see an angel, um, ask for ID. Yeah. You know it's and uh, they're not all loyal. I mean, and they're not lying. So you know, in Islam, you got um, the angel showing up in the cave giving revelation. And it's like, uh, and so you're like, yeah, it was an angel, not a good one. Like his. His message was anti-Christ. Like, so therefore, yes, it's a message from heaven. Well, maybe. Or a message from an angel. Um, but it wasn't the good angel. Yeah, well, and uh, it's the evil angel. Yeah. Which is evil. Yeah. Satan, right? He's one of them. Yeah. There, there's the big honcho and then all the minions. Yeah. So you got to, when you, when you hear the message, uh, you have you to hold make it. sure where that message is coming from. So, anyways, that is the side note. When you say angel, biblically, you're talking about a spiritual being who has been given an assigned task to bring a message. So, that is where we springboard to the point where he talks about the advice and assistance 
that angels have been shown to give God's people throughout the scriptures. And so you see an angel showing up, giving direction, giving knowledge, understanding, and counsel to God's people. Told you there'd be a lot of scripture references, but Genesis 31, Daniel 9, Revelation 1. He's, he's going through them and saying, look, this is what angels do for us. And from a revelation itself, and, uh, and that's what, just what he says, even from Jesus, he talks about the legion of angels. Yeah, but, well, and, and a legion, it's a military term. Right, and it, war. <laughs> like, the angels encamp around God's people and wage war against both evil men and evil angels on behalf of and in defense of the righteous so that they may overcome the ultimate adversary. And that's Psalms, 2 Kings, Psalms, Exodus, Isaiah, I mean, just verse after verse after verse. He's showing you to say this is how God uses the angels. And so that is what springboards us into the actual text of Revelation And the reason, again, as we said, this falls on the feast of St. Michael and all angels. Which we have coming up very soon. We have it coming up very soon, with or without corona. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) You can't keep a good feast down. That's right. And and this is also something that's not really taught very well. We, We call the Archangel Michael a saint. Saint Michael. Well, why is he called a saint? You ever thought about it? Why are the angels called saints? We know why we're called saints. We, we have accepted the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf and been made holy like Christ. Right. They never sinned. Why are they called saints? I, I doubt if they call them saints to one another in heaven. I don't oh, they do. in, yeah. in the Old Testament, they do. They're called the Hagios. They're the, yeah. They are the saints. Um, they never fail. They've always been holy. They never fail. And so, well, some of them fell. Well, they ain't, they ain't the Hagios. The They're not the saints. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the saint is, the fact that we are being made saints is that we're being raised up into the family of saints. And the, Well, the church of the saints and the Psalms is the church of angels. And Paul starts using that angel. Like, we're being raised up into the heavenly family. Right. So we're, so we're being given a title that they never lost because they remained loyal to their creator since day one. At least... The saints the, did. The ones that won. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the losers did not get that Yeah, the and so it's, it's one of those things that when you look to the old serv- the old services and teachings of the church, they're quite solid in saying, well, it is St. Michael. No, he's not a saint because he accepted, accepted the sacrifice of Christ. He's called a saint because he's always remained loyal, loyal. to Christ. Anyways, that's another trivial pursuit. But we celebrate this. The church has made it a habit of celebrating this great war and this great victory um, that was fought in heaven. And it is the great battle against and the victory over the dragon. And so he first brings us in, who is Michael, the archangel, Saint Michael? And he will give us three times where Michael, has sho- he shows up in the scriptures, and shows that he is different than Jesus Christ. Because there is some overlap, as we've already kind of just said, like Jesus, like Jesus. And it led some fathers not Jesus. It led some fathers to say, well, he's just a pre-incarnate Christ. Right. And it didn't work. But nonetheless, so Michael serves under Christ 
taking charge over the church on earth. And this is what you see in Daniel 10, verses 13 and 21, where he is the prince over God's people. Um, Two, Michael serves unto Christ, keeping the devil in check. Because if you know that there's that weird verse in Jude 9 where Michael and the devil argue over Moses' body. body. And so, again, Michael is not Jesus because Jesus does not waste his time arguing with the devil. (laughs) Like, what Jesus says, Jesus gets. Um, And so Michael is there taking care. And the reason there was an argument over Moses' body is because Moses died in the wilderness. He didn't die in the camp or in the promised land. So he wasn't in Yahweh's territory, and the devil thought he had a claim, and Michael just went down and put him in place. And he also makes the point that uh, if he would uh, battle the devil over the body of Moses, think of what he'd do for Christ yeah. and his church. I mean, that's... That when he when he actually starts listing the things that the devil has been shown to do and to nitpick over, you realize we are um, up against a formidable challenge who is controlled by bloodlust. Essentially, just wants to devour. And the, the third thing is that Michael serves under Christ as the chief spirit among created spirits in our. Contemporary mythology, we think that it's God versus the devil. And that is so hogwash. The devil has nothing to God. Scripture tells us it's the devil versus St. Michael. Like that, it's it those are the that's the level the devil is on. He he's, not, he's not on God's level. He's not. They, you know, as no. Yeah. And so that's one of the things, again. I why, know he wants to be on that. Oh, he's been trying since yeah. Isaiah. Well, Before since since Ezekiel twenty eight twelve and Isaiah fourteen twelve that area. Since that his attempts, he's tried to be. He's tried to make himself like God, but didn't work out. So that's who Michael is. He has charge over God's people on earth. He keeps the devil in check, and he's also the leader of the heavenly host. If we're if we're doing the old boxing match that we just did, and. What and this on the far corner as Saint Michael, and in the other corner the dragon. Who's this dragon? It's just the chief evil. Oh, he is the chief evil one. It's not a hard. This is a Sunday school level question. the The dragon is none other than the slanderer of old. John tells us. So it's the our passage. Our sermon is was it twelve seven? It's twelve nine. Revelation twelve nine is the first time we are told that that snake in the garden of Genesis 3 was the devil. Right. You won't find it anywhere before Revelation 12. So it takes a long time for us to figure, put two and two together as a human race. So Revelation 9 tells us, and the great dragon was thrown down. Hope I didn't spoil that for you. But nonetheless, he was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, who was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. That's who he is. Finally, we know this dragon is the arch-rebel against God's will and kingdom. And so he leads all of it. And again, um, 
as some handouts. I don't know how I'm going to post this to the podcast information. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find where you are. Oh, I'm on, I'm on the bottom of that line here. Okay. So, the dragon is none other than the old Satan devil. Satan is Hebrew. Satan. Diablos, devil, is Greek. He's that category. And he's the... He is the one, and he's called the slanderer or the accuser because he's always, he's either slandering God to man or, in the Old Testament, attempting to slander man to God in the Old Testament. He's the bookkeeper, essentially. Yeah, and, and he, uh, he will slander even the ones that follow him. Oh, he does that, too. Yeah. Um, uh, so he, just, he slanders all. But you have, throughout the Old Testament, Satan... That as as a word is never used to describe the evil one, and that's just that's just something you go what? Again, it doesn't show up until Revelation twelve. Well, but it shows up. <laughs> he shows up, but but Scripture never says he. Ne- they never throughout the Old Testament and Psalms never build the case. That's Satan. That's okay, the devil. Whatever. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's just things that. You have to... We have where it comes from. It's just not in the Old Testament. <laughs> That's what it's not there. It's there. It's in the second. So, again, here's your reason why we have... This is why we have the Septuagint. This is why we have the Apocrypha. The books that the... The time period that the Apocryphal books are written are the, is the time period where God's people try to figure out what the hell is wrong with this world. And they start looking for... They start combing through the scriptures, seeing where evil is, where the rebellions happened. This is some bad stuff we're facing. And so it's in that time period. So that's the dragon. He's there. And I like that term, the dragon. Oh, yeah. Because that's who's talking to Eve. And, like, the dragon. Yeah. Like that. I would listen to a dragon. Uh, you know, that's your favorite it's, movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting as well that... Uh, uh, when, when he was thrown out of heaven, uh, we think of the snake, but it's not until after the fall with the curse that you will crawl on your belly. It's, well, it may not have been a snake like we think. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah. I mean, dragon is putting it in perspective. This is a divine being right. um, whom man would be tempted to worship to if, if you see it. Right. Um, so Eve is talking to... Eve is talking to a bad Aragon. Isn't that the dragon you like? Oh, Aragon? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just like, you know... Oh, but Aragon, he can't be bad. Aragon wasn't. But there were some bad dragons out <laughs> yeah, there. there some bad so, dragons. so this is what's going on. And then his when he's cast down in the rebellion, Genesis 3, you know, he's cursed to eat dust. Right. Well, I hate to break it to you, we are dust. <laughs> it's not talking about eating the dirt like a serpent, like a, a regular snake. Ashes, he, ashes, dust because, because he's cast out of heaven and refuses to live according to the will of God, he now seeks whom he may devour, and we are dust. Remember, O man, that thou art dust, and unto dust thou shalt return. And by the way, there's a serpent walking around looking to devour that's you right. as his dust. He's looking for you, and he's out there. So that's who we have. That's the stage. And both sides have, have their ranks of angels. The angels on Michael's side are elect of God and shown to excel in strength, and they obey God's commands. They, they do with his will. 
And then the angels on the dragon side. Same thing with them. <laughs> are angels of evil who rebelliously sinned and rejected the positions under the Lord, choosing rather to serve under the dragon as their prince. And they do with what the dragon says. Yeah, it's, yeah. um, and it you do. two armies. Second Peter 2, Jude has these angels who refuse to keep their post and who sinned. And so they're introduced. Um, mostly, I think, in our imaginations, we have Milton in our head, and we think that when the devil was kicked out of heaven, um, he took just a third of the angels with him, and that's Milton, not necessarily the biblical perspective. Um, it's been a long battle for the devil to get angels on his side. I mean, it takes it really takes the first 11 chapters of Genesis to for him to... Well, and longer, at least up to Psalm 82 before he gets the gods of the nations. Um, he's been busy. He's slandering God left and right, and every now and then he finds a sucker on both sides of the family, the human family and the spiritual family. And the battle started in heaven, and it's now came yeah, it's to earth. here on earth. Yeah. So what is this battle? Scripture informs us that while we think of angels as lovely peaceful. They like to play the harp up there and just always are happy. Angels also war and battle for the sake of peace. And they work toward and fight for the same peace God works for and fights for. Um, we gotta, we, I mean, you, we probably ought to be thinking more so of those legion of angels and that there is a great war going on, a spiritual war, and we will celebrate peace once peace has been won. Yeah, we, we see the dragon stood before the woman that was ready to be delivered, that he might devour the child. And because he was taken up unto God, the child, the dragon persecuted the woman. And for that, he could not prevail against her. He made war with her seed. And uh, Revelation goes on uh, that um, that is with them that keep the commandments for God, the devil fought with Michael for Moses' body, which we said before. And so much more he's going to fight for, for Christ and for his church. And so uh, the battle, you know, the first battle was the war is being fought. The first battle was fought in heaven, and now the battle is being fought on earth. Well, it's, it's, the his chronology gets a little hard to follow, but really the scripture's chronology of these things makes it hard to follow. We're on a so much with the especially the evil spiritual realm. We're on a need to know basis, and most of the time we don't need to know. And so when we do get the facts, it's kind of hard to put it all together. Because one of the things is we talk about the battle. Um, Andrews, when you when you comb through the scriptures, you realize there's actually been four battles. Um, there's the one um, with the fall of the devil. Like so, the very first one, and we don't we don't have all the details on it. It's it's recorded for us in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 that the devil tried to make himself equal to God, and Saint Michael whose name literally means 
who is like God, puts him in his place, which is our, we assume, the war in heaven. But then Michael fights with him over Moses' body. Battle two. Battle three. Michael holds the lines while a message can be sent to Daniel at the end of Daniel 10. And then here in the battle for against Christ and his church. What does it say? This serpent is going, his head might, it might be crushed by the, by the sun, but he's biting anything and everything he can. And yeah, that, well, he's, uh, uh, with the coming of Christ, uh, his jealousy is even more enraged. That, uh, uh, so the battle becomes even more severe. And, uh, and actually, you can sort of look at him when, when I read some of this stuff. But uh, uh, you understand the dragon's viewpoint? Uh, <laughs> he's, he, well, he's, he's uh, uh, jealous, envy. He's envy. Yes, pride. The, all those things we talk about. I don't have a Bible, and I'm not opening this Bible to fall apart. Um, it's Wisdom two twenty three to twenty four. Now the the dragon could not abide to honor a piece of clay. Right, um, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah, in the in the Jewish writings, it's actually the what Jude quotes the assumption of Moses. So I think it's the title of it, but the life of Adam and Eve is kind of a humorous retelling how the devil just continues to go after Eve after yeah. that day, yeah. story after story. I mean, he's constantly just trying to ruin her life. And it's always out of envy. And Andrews is bringing that up to the forefront. Uh, we have that. Again, it's, it's wisdom, chapter 2, um, verses 23 and 24. Uh, it's out of envy that this whole thing happened. Um, but yeah, and that's the other thing. The battle is how he is envious. Andrews does something that I never quite thought about, and that he's saying that this is a spiritual battle. And a, mm-hmm. a, 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 a cam- it's, it is a it's a campaign of propaganda, and so the devil is envious and has chosen to make him attempt to make himself like God. And we're not talking about a fist fight in heaven, a right. sword fight in heaven, gun fight. No, the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, they're like so they're spiritual. they're spiritual. And so what happens in the spiritual battlefield is a war. Um, of ideas, and a- Andrews shows how. So not only could the dragon not abide to honor a piece of clay, he could not abide the god he wanted to usurp, taking up that same clay nature, and then him being expected to adore him. So it's one thing to have to serve Adam and Eve. It's another thing to watch his creator take on the same flesh as Adam and Eve and then him have to serve him. Like, he didn't take on the, uh, the body of angels. He took on the body of man. Yeah. And, and uh, pissed him uh, off even so more. elevating. Uh, uh, and it's even we're told in Corinthians that the nature of man shall judge angels even. And so that's just too much for the boy to accept that... Uh, uh, not only is he placed below man according to God, but that man will actually judge him. And well, it's not that. And it's God does not expect anything of us or his heavenly host that he will not do himself. And so 
when when God instructs the heavenly host to serve and honor his humanity, he's not asking them to do anything he's not willing to do because ultimately he in Christ he becomes man. That's what he's doing. And he washes their feet and dies for them. And all for this for a very long game to have a family in both the visible and invisible realms that are perfect images of God. And so then the dragon can't handle it. And what's and I, I think the third thing he would say, so the dragon doesn't like having to serve clay. He doesn't, he doesn't like having to serve a God who's willing to put on clay. Right, and, uh, you know, the seed of Abraham. And then, and then the God who does that forgives the clay creatures. And won't forgive him. Yeah, that's the other thing. And there's a great little fiction book written, I think it was called Demon, for about probably 10, 15 years ago. And, and it's that whole concept. There's a demon who's... As is popular today, it's a, a tell-all book. Right. You know, he's going to the publisher and he's telling his side of the story of how you know he was this be- beautiful, angelic creature. He had one bad day and now he can't be forgiven. <laughs> and yet, you filthy little mud creatures have bad days every day, and he just fawns all over you. It was a, it's a tale all this time. And yeah. so. And that this is the spiritual war that Andrews would say is happening. He so we're we're not talking about that. You know they're, they're not the dragon and Michael aren't locking arms. Like he's over here trying to close the deal. He's a salesman coming, slandering God, slandering man, saying, "Look here, open your eyes, Michael. These people aren't worth it, and this God is not worth it. Come serve me." And this is how he tempts and fights Michael and the other angels. And, of course, the angels hold their ground. Michael honors the name he was given and that who is like God. None is like God. He's worth our service, and we will fight for him. And, of course, they're victorious. He's cast uh, out of heaven. And then even in Revelation, uh, you know, it's almost like he's, Sticking with a little needle every time he gets a chance, and God is. Uh, but the angel said to John, "You know, I'm one of thy brethren. You know, that uh, fellow servant of Christ." And uh, uh, so each time that happens, it just infuriates him more and more. And 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 it sort of goes uh, with where we're in today, with all the evil we see going on. They can't help themselves. They get more and more enraged. The devil gets more and more enraged. And yeah. the only way he knows how to respond is through violence and evil and pain and and all that stuff and uh, slander uh, so, and accusations. So he says that I'm a fellow servant. Angel <laughs> says to John, "That's got to just enrage him any more, even more." Yeah, and that's the the victory of those loyal angels is that they 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 enjoy having their earthly counterpart added to the family of God. Like, they, they sing, the heavens sing. Like, earth, I mean, there's, a, they're always, just like churches on their best day, you're always welcoming of anyone. Come, yeah, I mean, the lamb is worthy. I mean, right. more the merrier. Let's pack it in here. And the angels are the same way. Like, And that's First Peter one twelve. We talk about how the angels 
unlike the devil and the bad angels, the good angels, they're intrigued by, not irritated by, um, Christ's redemption of man and worship Jesus um, for this great saving work. Like, and, for, and for just that attitude alone should be our thankfulness to that. Like, uh, they're, they're, they're battled in heaven, they're battling here for man, for God, for Jesus. That, uh, uh, it's a great team to have on your yeah. side. <laughs> well, that's, the, yeah, that's that passage. It's First Peter 1, 12. I think it's the citation here. The, the good angels long to look into, I think it's the phrase, of man's salvation. They, mm-hmm. they, like, they can't get enough of it. It's, that, it's like when, the, when Christ comes, when he's born on that Christmas morning, you get one angel that shows up and startles the shepherds, and then all of them finally make it. So you see who the fastest angel was, and the rest of them finally caught up um, proclaiming this great thing. Uh, and then he writes that the angels, as we see, are ready to enter the field with the dragon and his angels. Neither doth heaven only take this care of us, but the earth also is ready to, to help us and openeth her mouth and swallow up uh, the flood when the, uh, which the dragon casts out of his mouth. And uh, uh, therefore they, they have such care for us. And, uh, uh, so we are we are on a very good winning team. <laughs> yeah, they are they are ready to welcome redeemed men and women as brethren, which is all of this is what leads here into the kind of the fifth and closing point of this sermon is he makes three points that is our rightful response to this news, like this is part of the gospel, and. Our response to that gospel should include the first thing he would say is this victorious battle that has been fought on our behalf should evoke a thankfulness to God as well as a willingness to have our perspective on things changed and enlightened. And so when when he talks about what needs to be changed about our perspective is that man is a desirous place worthy fighting for by both the forces of heaven and hell. Thus, if heaven and hell esteem us as such, so we ought not to think so, you know, mean of ourselves, so plain of ourselves. Um, As C.S. Lewis would say, there's no mere human. Um, if, If there's will... If each individual human is worth a battle in heaven... Man is really no ordinary thing. We shouldn't... And, that, and that's why we, we talk about life and everything else. Just how important each one of us are to God. That uh, it's not elevation one over another, but it's all in being and doing God's will. And uh, so it, uh, if he has such great opinion of us, why do we struggle with having such great opinions of ourselves as well. Uh, not doing everything perfectly, but doing things better each time. And, uh, you know, until the kingdom comes, that's part of us becoming what we can become. And uh, we should be thankful to God, and we should be thankful to one another for each other. That, uh, uh, that uh, we, we're to give thanks 
just because we have such wonderful spirits fighting for us. They fall for us in heaven. They're fighting for us on earth. And uh, because of that, we need to do our part on earth. And we're doing that by elevating ourselves to what God wants us to be. Yeah, well, that's the, the second part of our perspective needs to be changed is, I mean... If the angels are busy defending earth, we ought all the more diligently to fight for heaven. Faithfulness to the Lord is not a pastime sport, but a life and death struggle. It's a full-time job. Um, you, don't, you don't do your Christian part just by showing up to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. Like this is, and even the bright side is, even in 1599, Christians were still struggling with this. Like, Andrews is preaching to men and women like you and me. He's like, no, no, salvation is not just something you do in your pastime like, or in your spare time. Like, this really is your identity. Why don't you try taking something out of the church that you got in the church? <laughs> yeah, you know, this is... Uh, uh, but we, we're in the environment to where, you know, uh, the church feeds us and, and we go after something. We want the dessert, I guess. I guess. I don't know. But that's the, well, and then the, the third third thing is to realize there is a war going on here. And it's bigger than the stuff you're seeing broadcast on the news right now. I mean, what the news is broadcasting are just little field skirmishes. There's a greater war going on. There's a much bigger battle going on. And the battle that was in heaven, this slanderous, enslaving attempt in heaven... Um, has now come to earth. And believers must know who their enemy truly is. And this is hard for us. When you turn on the news and you want to say those people who are doing this idiotic, stupid, and evil thing, we want to say they're the enemy, but they've fallen to the true enemy. Like, they've, they've believed... They actually believe. They've believed the slanderer. And so they're not our enemy. They, they're to be pitied. They are, to, they are enslaved captives that need to be liberated, not enemy insurgents that need to be killed. Right. Um, and so he would say this is the role that Scripture is, is to help our, help our perspective on things to change. So just as the dragon and his fallen horde sought to convert the heavenly host... So have they come down, slandering God to the nations and taking them captive. So when you, what you're seeing is just the fruit of some deeper roots that have sunk in to his laws. And so, got to... And thank goodness we have angels. We have angels side. helping have us on, angels on yeah. our side. And so, well, and because they're on our side, this is his second response. We ought to pray for further deliverance and protection from the angels against the dragon on earth, since they have been commanded to fight for us and have successfully overcome the dragon in heaven. We kind of want to ask for the protection of St. Michael because he's got some first-hand experience. So that we can overcome yeah. the evil uh, on earth. That uh, It goes together. It's spiritual, it's physical... Uh, all the things we talked about earlier. And this is, this is for much of the Protestant side of the Christian church. This is crazy talk. Yeah. I mean, if I walk down the street to our brothers and sisters in Christ at a completely different tradition than we are, and I said, can you help me 
um, pray for the angels to protect me, yeah, that ain't going to happen. Right. Um, which is sad because, again, That's half of the battle. Scripture is trying to show us, I mean, Christ is giving us everything necessary for the abundant life now. And a part of that abundant life is realizing we have some people to fight at our side and to fight, go before us fighting for us. And, you know, we talked about the pride of the spirits and uh, it's almost like the pride that we have as part of the church uh, that we can do this on our own. Mm-hmm. And it's far beyond what we can do on our own. That's, uh, uh, that's why we're in church, to, to, to pray for strength and for refreshing. And uh, with, with Anglicans, the, the body and blood of Christ, all of those things are spiritual battles that uh, we need to be refreshed with. And uh, we need to support the angels that have done this. And uh, Well, and to uh, support them, here's, here's the thing. I think it's the right time. You support them by living appropriate to their nature. Right. They are saints. They never. They well. They've never rebelled, and so in order to be um, on the same side, we have to do our part in living a holy life. So as as Andrews would say in the sermon, so as not to provoke or alienate them. He actually says if we uh, suffer, if we allow ourselves to sin by filthy words and speeches, we make them turn in their favor from us. Yeah, I mean, we start looking like enemy signs. And so who was once our ally can be quite really become our um, antagonist, I guess. Right. Uh, because it depends on whose side are you on. Live in allegiance to the Lord. They're your friends. And... And then, of course, the fourth thing is one of the, the true part of the true Christian hope, the guarantee that's, that belongs to all of us, is that as certain as the dragon's defeat was in heaven, so we ought to cling to the same hope of our own lives, knowing that the struggle now will be worth it because his defeat is sure. Um, I mean, we're fighting every day against some part of his campaign. And we're not always making progress as much as we would like to make progress. But the Christian hope is his doom is sure and sealed. And so for all who overcome this dark night, the sun will rise and we will reign with him eternally while the devil is cast down. And I think that pretty much wraps up. Lancelot Andrew's sermon on the angels in war in heaven. Uh, and then it's got that uh, we shall so be armed with the angels uh, that he, the devil, will not prevail against us. Right. So I'm about bottom of my, my beer. I do, as a last call, I told you, um, you won't find the dragon referred to as Satan in the Old Testament, what you will find are references to him as Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, and as Lucifer. Well, technically not Lucifer. Um, he'll be translated more. Morning Star is all modern translation. King James and the Vulgate are the two Bibles that actually use Lucifer 
um, in Isaiah. But nonetheless, it's it's the morning star that you when when the sun comes up and you look up and you see Venus still out there. That is the Luciferus. It's that little star that thinks he's a big star, but you can see it. Um, the imagery of the devil throughout the Old Testament is well, one, he's the Lord of the Flies. Because he's rebelled against the God of life, he is now the Lord of death. And anything that has flies going around it that will not last forever, that's his domain. So when you cling to wealth, if you cling to beauty, all of this stuff dies and does not last. That's his domain. And so... And yet people will see that it's the beauty that they're seeking. Yeah, um, and so you, you, get, you get wrapped up on him in there. And then the Lucifer image, like I said, this is when, when you get into Isaiah, they're making fun of the king of Babylon because he thinks he's some big bad boy and he can't see that he's really a nobody. And the same thing is true of this chief rebel. And those will be in our show notes. The Satan and Diablos are all New Testament concepts. He's just shown himself by the time of the New Testament to be the chief rebel there's also a list he's he's glazed over um i'll have (laughs) one page if it'll fit it's actually where our theology the devil comes from in the second temple period of judaism because you're all just dying to know (laughs) that's uh i think his notes were just about as long as andrew's sermon (laughs) Yeah. so much information here, and uh, uh, I don't want anyone to be overwhelmed. Uh, there's good and there's evil. There was, there's a spiritual side. There's a human side to us. Uh, this is a battle, and the battle that's been going on uh, before uh, our times, and it's going to be going on after our times, probably. And... Uh, so it, uh, it's not that complicated, and uh, uh, all of the, the, uh, the stories of Satan and the devil and Lucifer and all this kind of stuff, uh, to, to my simple mind, it's good versus evil. And uh, so don't get too wrapped up in it, although it's very fascinating. And uh, Father Allen, he's done a lot of work on all these boats and everything, and uh, so you can go as deep as you want to go. <laughs> well, you know, it's. Uh, I I really wanted Flip Wilson to be right. Right. The devil made me do, do it. Yeah. <laughs> and so. I but, thought the boy was under something. <laughs> uh, I found out it's a little bit more complicated than the devil made me do it. It's more like the the devil's peons made me do it. Uh, well, but, but the results are the same. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> But, uh, so, we have anything else here for him? Nope, that? that is it. I might have a link through what put us on the path of finding this sermon of Andrews was an article by Marion Dorman, uh, which was Andrews and the Angels. And it's about a two page, two and a half page Actually, I summary. Have, uh, when I started my seminary work going to the uh, to become a priest, uh, Marion Dorman has written, and actually when I first found Lancelot Andrew, she was the one doing the translation uh, uh, of his writings into English, and uh, she's a very sweet lady. She, uh, 
Uh, I have not spoken to her in years, uh, but she lived in uh, Seattle. And uh, uh, anything you want to know about Andrews, she she could tell you. And she moved on to most of the Caroline Devines. Yeah. You got her website, she. Yeah, she she's uh, very involved with and it's been her life, so she's a, a wonderful source. But all of this sort of ties together, and, and we want to talk about things as we go through these that, that pertain to where we are uh, uh, as Christians today. And uh, there's so much out there that we don't usually talk about. And Andrews will find most of that for us. Hey, well, he does. And, I mean, I'm, I'm Anglican because it's the most biblical expression of the Christian faith that I can find. And yet, even within the midst of our fellowship, every time, well, every Mass, we're going to say we believe in the God who created all things visible and invisible. invisible. But then they could really care less about anything invisible. Right. Even though we well, say we believe see. in it. Right. And yet it's it's right there with it, and it makes the faith so much more robust, and it just gives us more hope and confidence in our Savior. And You I mean, start to see the whole picture. You, you yeah. take the, the binders off, and uh, there's so much more there than, than, than what we've, at least what I've been taught. Yeah. So. And, uh, so uh, let us pray for a second. Dear Lord, we give thee thanks for this time together. Uh, help us to learn how to acknowledge uh, the invisible as lo- along with the visible. Uh, continue to send your angels to strengthen us because, Lord, we need it. And uh, just make sure that we all walk in thy will and do thy ways and that the, the evil that uh, is so prevalent around us uh, will dissolve and that uh, your will truly may be done. In thy name we pray. Amen. Amen.